With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello to all our fantastic TTM podcast listeners. We have a real treat for you. Do you have trouble with your sleeping? Do you suffer with anxiety or depression? Do you still have those aching muscles that you keep talking about? Then we have the perfect product for you to try. Supreme CBD. It comes in many different forms. For example, Supreme CBD face cream. It uses organic natural ingredients leaving your face feeling smooth and also without the use of synthetic compounds. For those aching muscles, there's Supreme CBD Muscle and Joint Rub, which penetrates deep into the skin and muscle joints, combining the therapeutic benefits of eucalyptus, rosemary, cinnamon bark and black pepper in a wonderfully hydrating aloe gel. Also, there's more available. We have all of the oils, vapes and even gummy bears, which are vegan. Now for the best part. Head over to Supreme CBD UK today and enter our unique discount code TTM30 and you will get 30% off of everything on the website. That code again, TTM30. It really doesn't get any better. Head over to SupremeCBD.UK. In the sport of boxing, there has always been characters, but only a select few are what you would call unique. In this episode of the TTM podcast, we get to know the man behind the character, from his early days in Cork, Republic of Ireland, to boxing in front of a capacity crowd in Madison Square Garden, New York City. Gary Spike O'Sullivan joins the TTM podcast to discuss his career in boxing and what lies ahead for Spike. You're listening 
to the TTM Podcast. Hi, my name is Gary Spike O'Sullivan, and you're listening to the TTM Podcast. Hello and welcome to the TTM Podcast with a very, very special guest this evening in Spike O'Sullivan from Cork in Ireland, um, an absolute household name in boxing in these shores. Um, Gary, how are you doing? Fantastic, James. Yourself? Um, I'm very, very well indeed, to be honest with you. Um, more, more the better for having you on our podcast. I think it's a, a great, great day for our podcast as we continue to grow. Um, what we're going to talk about tonight um, is, you know, your career, um, you know, your Mexican traits as a boxer, the moustache and other things really, and about just you, um, because you as a character is an uplifting character uh, and one that deserves to be heard more. Um, so first of all, in terms of your boxing career, where did it all start? How did it happen for, for Spike O'Sullivan? Well, um, I've seen pictures at home in my mother's house with boxing gloves at probably the age of around 18 months. And I started to train with my father when I was five years of age. And he took me to the boxing club, club when I was seven. And I've been going to boxing gyms ever since. She's uh, almost 30 years going to boxing gyms now. So I'll be 37 next July. And I'll be a full 30 years ago in the boxing gym. So um, I've been boxing uh, over 31 years now, I guess. Can you so, um, can you ever remember your first ever fight? I do, yeah. Um, I fought in Wales, Swansea. I was actually uh, nine years old. So the club I was with, I used to spar with all the 11-year-olds, the national champions, 11-year-olds and that. And um, they just brought me to Wales and said I was 11. And so I got to fight in Wales before. I fought on an 11 year old. I was actually nine myself, but uh, that was my first fight anyway. Did you beat him? I actually won the first rounds, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. It's, I actually it's remember that his power, name. Well. isn't it? Um, I, I remember I saw a quote that you, that you put out once saying, um, usually boxers, you will have one that's got great power, but no chin, uh, or another boxer with a great chin, but no power. But what Spike O'Sullivan seems to have is both. Um, that's a great, yeah. great trait to have, as obviously Mr. Fitzgerald found out. Um, in terms of your yourself, I mean, you've had a, a, a great career. You've fought some household names um, around the world. A, a really good, strong career coming out of America as well, in Boston and, and places such as that. Um, just in terms of your future, really, in, in the sport of boxing, um, are you still linked up with Golden Boy? And is, and is that, that world title shot still something high on your agenda? Yeah, yeah, this is kind of the main reason I continue to box. I'm still with Golden Boy Promotions. They're, they've been very good to me. And, um, you know, I'm a target Patrick Teixeira. I've actually never lost a fight in my career at a late middleweight. So um, mm. I've only been beaten by four middleweights. They were all, you know, they were significantly bigger than me, even though I managed to beat quite a few middleweights well in my time. But uh, realistically, they, they were all bigger men than me. But um, I think I, I belong at late middleweight and it's uh, where I want to try and get the world title. I think I think that's absolutely right for you to say that as well. To be fair, I think um, they have been bigger guys. Yet you've got so close, even at that higher weight level. So hopefully the power. Do you still have the power down at middleweight? At late middleweight, um, right, yeah, well, uh, yeah. Well, I, I seem to. I had one fight there. Uh, I made late middleweight. I, I can't remember. It was, it was before the Mongia fight. I fought a guy called Kyrie Gary, and I I cut him up quite bad, and you know I I hurt him a bit. Yeah, so. Um, I think I do, yeah. Yeah. You've um you fought a lot of um South Americans and Central Americans uh over in America, a couple of uh, guys from Panama. Um does your style 
suit fighting um, fighters from South America, Central America more than it would necessarily like fighting, for example, a British fighter. Maybe could could do. I think though, I decided to kind of fight any fighter. Really, I, I think yeah. you know. Uh, those, those guys, they, they all seem to be very hard punchers, actually. I beat, I think I beat nearly all of them anyway, but they, they were very hard punchers, those South American. You could really feel the power. Yeah. They, they, punch, they punch very hard. So do you um, prefer to fight? Do you prefer fighting in America? Um, I, I, I'm not too fussy where I fight. Like, I yeah. really enjoyed, I fought in Canada. It was really nice to fight there. I like to... Uh, you know, go around the experience and see different parts of the world. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to fight in many states in America, which has been really, really, really cool. And uh, got to fight in the UK. I love fighting in the UK. The fans are great there. Um, you know, they're very loud. And I like that as really, you know, it's the stuff I watched on telly growing up. And yeah, it's great. And obviously, fighting at home in Ireland has been fantastic. So I've been fortunate enough to do that as well. So I, I kind of enjoy it all, really. Yeah, I mean, one thing I've noticed about your record is you have literally fought fighters from anywhere, um, a real mix of fighters from around the world. And also you have fought in a lot of places. You know, there's a big saying in boxing, you haven't made it till you've made it in America. Well, I think probably almost half of your fights have been in America. Is, is that right? In or there boats, yeah. I think I've had 34 fights. Yeah, maybe around 17 in America in or there, mm. around that anyway. Yeah, and the... Uh, you know, I thought I was lucky to fight in some really, really good venues like Madison Square Garden and um, in LA at the StubHub and Vegas and Boston. And, you know, it's been a good variety, a good mix up. I fought in a yeah, lovely yeah. place called New, New Hampshire one time that was really nice there as well. Okay. So um, one, one good story that, that's come out in the past is The Cabin in the Woods. Can you enlighten our listeners to the, to the quality story of The Cabin in the Woods? Yeah, actually, um, I, my mother and father founded a boxing club along with myself and my brothers. Uh, it was 18 years ago, you know, so it was 18 at the time, and um, it's hard to get a premises like you know. But we 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 end up getting um, an old shed in the in the woods. Uh, it was belonged to the nuns, but it was a unique boxing club, and it was uh, really really cool. It had a tin shed, and it was the walls were made of old stone, and it was. There was actually quite a good few people came there over the years. I remember Glenn McCrory, he really liked it when he came there. He was training um, Mike Perez at the time and a couple of other Cuban lads. He was, they were based out of Cork and it was a great gym. So we produced 13 amateur national champions from our neighbourhood from that gym, you know. Um, very, very fond memories that I remember for the rest of my life. With, you know, training with my parents, my brothers and training all the lads in our community and girls. Uh, yeah, it was, it was great. Great, great spot, great, great memories. Spot on, absolutely brilliant. That is. I mean, I did, I did also read as well that one of your dreams is to fight in Cork, is is to maybe potentially have a world title fight in Cork, and then walk back home with the belt over your shoulder and a beer in the other hand. I I did do a lot of research in, into this, <laughs> and uh, it's just that you know out of respect for yourself, really, because uh, we we rate you extremely highly on this podcast. Um, as far as we're concerned, um. You know, we we talked about you know some potential fights as well. Is there any fights that you'd like to revisit at all, Spike? Um, my main focus is fighting the late or winning the world title late middleweight, mm. primarily. Like for me, uh, how all that dream um, manifested was 
I actually went my first professional fight I went to attend was when I was 11 years of age. I was just about to embark on my own amateur career or as an 11 year old, and then um, officially, even though I fought, as I said previously, as a nine year old, whatever. But anyway, I went to the CA Steve Collins versus Chris Eubank Sr. to my first professional fight I attended, and we <clears throat> I walked to the fight with my my father and my brothers, and um, I was hooked, and I, I dreamt that one day it would be me. and it's 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 a walk from my mother's house, so yeah, yeah, that's that's my dream. And and how um, did you hook up with obviously Pascal as well? How how did that come about? He was training the guy uh, from Cork actually out in America, a guy called Billy Walsh, and um, Pascal lived in in Boston and by the way, with his brother Steve for years, and uh, when they came back to Ireland uh, with Billy Walsh type of Cork fight, they were looking for kind of best amateur in Cork at the time, and. Uh, Apparently, like I, they were pointing in my direction. They called me up about turning pro, and that's kind of how it happened anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's good. It's a, and, and something that doesn't really happen in boxing these days, especially, you know, what I notice as well is if a fighter loses, they'll just be very quick to change trainers, or if something something goes wrong, they'll be very quick to move. What you've done is you've actually stayed loyal with Pascal, and that's actually, you know, I, I, I tip my hat to you, to be fair, because, I mean, a, a fighter and trainer of that unbreakable bond really he knows you inside out you're going to fall out you're going to have good days bad days and i think that that relationship is central and key to any potential world title shot um i think in terms of um you know i mean looking back at the the chris eubank jr fight i i remember that because it was on the anthony joshua and dillian white card i believe and i always remember when uh, chris eubank come out of course we're watching on tv um and you were stood in the ring and you were waiting for him um, to come to come on down. I remember that you were waiting for him. And in that third round, in that third round, on another night, that that could have went another way because I think you hurt. Yeah. Him. I think you stiffened his legs for the first time in his career, and I think you hurt him. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But um, ultimately, he got the he won the fight, you know, and he was a better man in the night. And, you know, Very good luck to him in his, you know, good luck to him in his career. I wish him no ill, like you know, it's a fight at the end of the day. And he was quite nasty to me uh, during the press conferences and all that, but. You know, I think he probably had a right to because I antagonized him quite some bit yeah, prior to the fight sure. to get the fight. So, you know, that's that's what it was. But a knack, um, haven't you? You've got a knack for getting who you want. Um, you know, yeah. I, I know the one that got away was Anthony Agogo, and he's gone. Uh, you yeah, know, I think um, that that would have been spectacular. Uh, even the promotion alone would have been worth the fee. I think. I think. Um, yeah, I I went to see him. him. Birmingham, I think, if I remember correctly, he's fighting a guy, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he got stopped. He got, I think, his eye socket broken at the time, you know, but I remember watching the f- the fight, the first few rounds, and I just looked at Pascal, and I, it was my first time seeing uh, Ogogo in, in the flesh, like, and I don't think he was really in my league, to be quite honest. And I seen a comment from recently there, some, I'm not sure, it was somewhere on Twitter, I think he was saying, like, that uh, that he thought I was tailor-made from, that he would have beat me, etc., blah, 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 but... I think uh, he's sorely mistaken there. Like even though I, you know, it's obviously never going to happen. Now he's always he's retired and he's injured and he never will box again. But uh, and that's probably pointless talking about it. But I think uh, you know he he wouldn't have stood much of a chance. To be quite honest, I think it would have absolutely destroyed him. I agree. I think it's very um, um, golden boy. To be honest with you, and Richard Schaefer was um, you know pumping a lot of smoke up him. To be fair, and I think um, that's the truth. Um, the the reality is, I think, um, yeah, you're right. I, I like the way you pursue your 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 fights because you usually get who you who you want, and let's hope that you can get that that big one that you deserve. 
Um, you got anything to ask Rob before we move on to your segment? I was just just going to say about Anthony Agogo. It's very easy for him to sit now and and say yeah. how how he would, you would be tailor made for him. <laughs> you know when it, he's never going to do anything about it. Do you know what he's doing now, Spike? No, I think uh, he might be doing some north sort of wrestling. He was always That's into right. wrestling and stuff like you know. And and like, I I think he's probably a nice bloke. Most boxers are nice blokes and. I wish him all the very best, like, you know, that's the understood, and I hope he goes on to make it maybe an acting or maybe gets into wrestling and makes loads of money. I wish him all the best, but uh, I think it is easier for him to say it now, but uh, I really, genuinely, I wouldn't tell, I wouldn't lie, I wouldn't bullshit it all, like, but I, I think he was shitting himself completely, and uh, yeah. I think I would have absolutely ruined him, like, that's the short, I, I think I would have fucking broke him up, but uh, I agree. You know, like, I, I will say, like, Billy Joe Saunders is a better boxer than me, and I'm sure nine times out of ten times, nine times out of ten, he beat me. You know, I'm not, I'm not a bullshitter, oh. but and your know, was a different kettle of fish, like he would not hope. Like, I think, um, but anyway, yeah, Billy Joe um, is a class act. What he did to Lemieux in Canada was a bit like, well, I think he fought on the undercard that night, actually. Uh, yeah, he did, yeah, he did, yeah. Um, I think you know the the thing with the Lamu fight anyway. I mean, you know, better less fed to be honest with you. I think he just you know he just threw a shot and that's boxing and that's the way it goes. Um, but I think yeah, you know, I think he's um he's an excellent boxer. He's part of obviously the Tyson Fury line of 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 of, of travelers that in you know in the community that do really really well with with their boxing. Yeah. Um, and I think he's a humble man as well. I mean, he humbled Chris Eubank Jr. I think that's a fight that a lot of boxing fans would like to probably see again at that um you know at the heavier weight. Um, in, in terms of yourself, um, who are you after at the moment, Spike? Who are you after? Well, like, who I'm after is a guy, Patrick Teixeira. I don't think he's very well known, but he's, he is the WBO uh, late middleweight champion. <clears throat> he's also promoted he's by the promotions. Yeah, he's Brazilian, yeah. yeah. He's promoted by Golden Boy promotions as well, so I think it's okay. a very easy fight to make. Um, I think Golden Boy want to make it too. Um, you know, I, I think it's a fight that can be made. You know, maybe I'll have to get a kind of a warm-up fight a late middle bit and get back in the rankings. Maybe I'm not sure how it works, but uh, I think this fight can definitely be made. Are you um you you fight ready at the moment, Spike? Um, I, I'm tipping away. I'm always kind of... I have a punch bag up my back and a speedball. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm running, doing a bit of weights, keeping in shape, yeah. Yeah. So you could you could step in fairly soon for a, for a warm-up fight if needed? I think so, yeah. Just uh, I've cut down the weight a bit, like you know, I'm a bit heavy, but <clears throat> yeah. So at the moment with with Golden Boy, what's the situation? Because obviously I know over over here at the moment we've had um we've had the BT Studios one, sort of behind closed doors ones, and uh, obviously we had uh, Matchroom Ma- Square Gardens as well. Is there any similar projects going on over there at the moment to get <clears throat> fights going? In I'm not America? exactly. Too, I'm not too sure, really. To be honest, I haven't been paying too much attention because. I haven't been getting too many. I got a good few calls during lockdown. I would text you a fight, but I haven't. They haven't been in contact much. I heard Delahaye is back training himself. And uh, really, yeah, yeah. I seen the bookmakers. I was like the second favorite to get the fight with him. So, you know, I'm just not sure. Too sure what's going on. Really, that'd be a nice fight as well. Uh, obviously, oh, yeah. like, I mean, I yeah. think that's winnable for you, Spike. If yeah, I'm absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think. I think at this stage I surely have a good chance. I mean, he's forty-seven. I'm thirty-six. Uh, yeah, you know, it'd be it'd be great an honor to share the ring with him, like you know, and yeah, he's my promoter. I get, you know, I've got always got him really well with him. Yeah, you know, but sure, you know, fight to fight and you know, it's entertainment, it's entertainment. The original business, golden so, uh, boy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Original. He used to be an honor to fight him. You know, he's a great. He was he's one of the legends of our sport of all time, and uh, it'd be great to share the ring with him. 
yeah absolutely now that would be that would be some at the sea to be fair <clears throat> i'm surprised actually i'm surprised he's coming back you i think um you look at the case of roy jones jr um yeah. for instance some people you know they the bug can't go can it yeah there they can't let go yeah um mike tyson. I'll, I'll never forget mike tyson getting knocked out by audley harrison um Danny Williams, you mean? Danny Williams, sorry, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, Harrison couldn't knock himself out, could he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. And I thought, oof, oh, that was I was only young then as well, and I thought, Jesus, I thought Mike Tyson was the bollocks, like, and look at him now. And yeah. it was on like Channel Five as well. It was a bit sad to see, but I think De La Hoya, that if he comes out of retirement, he ain't going to come come out to to mess around, is he? He's going to be ready to go. No, I've seen him recently. He's looking really. He's trimmed up. I see. I met him mm. obviously in uh, January when I fought Mungia, but um, yeah. He's trimmed down quite a bit since then. You can see he's training hard and he's looking well. Fair play to him. So, um, yeah. Spike, just a quick one in terms of boxing in uh, in Ireland at the moment. There's one megastar, a superstar of not just boxing, but you would say sport in general, and that's obviously the one and only Katie Taylor. Um, what are your opinions on Katie and and just how highly regarded is she in your in your in you know in your country of Ireland? Massively, there's been a big influx of girls uh, taking up boxing in our country, you know, all because of Katie Taylor, really. Um, she's fantastic. She's a great ambassador for sport. You know, she, she's just a lady. She carries herself very well and she doesn't put a foot wrong. You know, she, she's very dedicated. She's she's the perfect example, really, you know, uh, of heartbroken dedication and what you can achieve, I guess, you know, with, with, with the heartbroken. Uh, she's, there's not much you could, you know, they couldn't falter, really. She's brilliant. I think, um, you know, I'm not a promoter, probably never good enough to be one, but we'd all like to, in our minds, put on a card. Could you imagine Cork, Katie Taylor, Spike, packed out? Would Golden Boy allow you to do a cross-promotional event, potentially, with Matchroom? Would, is that sort of oh, thing yeah. happening? I'd say definitely, they would, yeah. They would. Yeah, Golden Boy are very um, good to deal with. So are Matchroom as well. I've had two fights with them. One did the Fitzgerald one and the Eubank one and the I've always found uh, both very good to do, but um, we've got just two more segments left, really, Spike. To be honest, the time's going so fast; it is unbelievable. Um, of course, obviously, in the UK at the moment, box and, and Ireland boxing is booming. Um, it is in a really good place. I mean, yeah, okay, you take COVID away; um, that that's a frustration in general life for everybody. You know, I mean, myself working on the front line, my wife works on the front line. You know, you've got to make sacrifices of families sure, to look after yeah. the kids you know, and do all those day-to-day chores. But back to the boxing scene at the moment, we've got um, two heavyweights that obviously, you know, clearly, you know, you're aware of, which would be Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. Do you have a particular favourite out of those two boxers? And I know you're a middleweight, but surely, you know, as you're a boxer as well, would you like to see any particular one win? I bet both of them, they're both really nice guys, you know, they were very, very nice to talk to and that, and um, both of them, couple of times but um i think uh, tyson fury is a superior boxer he's a he's a bit of a freak really and that his uh, agility for the size of the man he is and he's very very strong his performance against the uh, wilder was frightening i he shocked me with that yeah. uh, scary you know uh, i've never seen him fight like that before but he can he can revert to any style he likes you know um i think uh, in my opinion against any heavyweight of all time. Um, if they fought 10 times, he'd come out at least winning six fights to four. I think really? he's, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, that's my opinion. I think he's, because of his size, he's six foot nine, um, 
his boxing IQ. He's a very intelligent fighter. Um, his agility for his size, strength. Yeah, he has it all. You know, um, I think he, he he has to be favorite against anyone of all time. I I've said it many times. I just can't see Joshua knocking him out. Well, he, he obviously is a very powerful man. He, he yeah. has a chance, but, you know, I think if they fought 10 times, as I say, Tyson Fury would win minimum six times. He has to be yeah. a favourite for me. And, yeah. you know, if he, if he gave me a bag of money, you say, here's a big bag of money, you've got to put it on one. And if your prediction is correct, you get the money back. I'm going to put the money on Fury. I think deep down, I don't think Joshua wants that fight. He says he wants that fight. And him personally, he may want that fight. But I don't think I don't think Eddie Hearn wants to put him in there with him just yet. I think he would rather keep it, just keep it simmering as as more of a pipe dream. Because I because I think Fury said I think there's a lot of pissing around with Wilder at the moment in there. Um, yeah. he, he's basically said that he fight Joshua now. He's ready to fight him now. Fury just yeah, wants yeah. to fight Joshua's. He's messing him in my opinion. I think Fury knows he's the best and he's yeah. confident that he can beat anybody and. Like, but I think uh, from Eddie points, Eddie's point of view, um, Anthony Joshua is so marketable and, you know, he's just an absolute money machine. So, uh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. you know, he's, he's a good promoter. Like Eddie Hearn's a good promoter. He's doing the right thing, I think. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you're a promoter, you're gonna you're gonna look after your main man, of course. And I think um, if it was me, I'd be thinking, right, well, let's get Pulev, then let's see if we can get a, a couple of mandatories, keep that cash coming in, and then eventually go for the Fury fight. And you never know, you know, with Anthony Joshua, he is an Olympic gold medalist. And I think if he does catch you where Wilder likes to come in with windmills, I think Anthony Joshua would potentially be a bit more methodical in in his approach to finishing them. I think he learned his lesson against Ruiz, an underrated boxer. Again, yeah. uh, very unlucky in his WBO bout with Joseph Parker in New Zealand. Um, and, and just the last little bit for us as well, we've got a really good segment, which, which we've built for you, which we think you would do quite well in, actually, with your charisma. Um, <laughs> do you want to take it away for him, James? Yeah, so we've just got a list of names. We'll reel them off one, one each at a time. Um, initial thoughts and opinion on these people. So uh, if you're ready, Spike, I'm going to kick off with, uh, we touched on already, Eddie Hearn. I like him. I like Eddie. I like him a lot. Shrewd, shrewd operator. Great promoter. Great charisma. I like him a lot. Very likable. The next one we got is Chris Eubank Sr. Um, the, he was the man I watched growing up. The man that kind of got me into boxing most. Uh, I've got great time for him. Um, really fond of him. Yeah. He's eccentric, you know, and comes up with mad things, but I, I do thumbs up. Uh, Swiftly on to Chris Eubank Jr. Um, we are a personal grief, I suppose. Probably caused by me primarily in the beginning to get the fight, but look, he's a bit arrogant, but uh, he's a good fighter. And, uh, yeah. he, you know, he's, he's good. He's, he trains hard. He's a hard worker. Yeah, I think uh, coming through those gyms in America early on in his life, um, I think he's been thrown into some particular... Uh, places and come out but you are right you did catch him in that third and, and, and you know no one didn't notice it I think everybody did see that and I think he uh, it was a good fight I, I love the promotion personally as a as a purist I loved the promotion behind it because I think that really it gets you excited you know to yeah watch it. yeah you gotta sell the fight he's a tough guy I suppose would be what I would say about him he says he's a tough man like and yeah he, he didn't, it didn't yeah, he's like his dad he's inherited his dad's genes he's a tough guy um, we've got Roy Keane. Roy Keane, legend. I'm not sure 
I'm a Manchester United fan and I grew up uh, watching Roy Keane and Dennis Irwin, uh, two Corkman on the team, you know, but uh, Roy had to be my favourite, definitely. Do you, ever, do you ever feel a bit, bit bitter about him walking out on the 2002 World Cup? No, I actually listened to something recently about that there um, and his reasons. And um, I, I, I agree with him, like, you know, professionalism wasn't uh, good enough. You know, it was, it was sad because, you know, he's, he was the best player. But maybe the, the, maybe the team came together and overperformed when he was gone yeah. because he was the main man. But, um, you know, if they had performed at the level that they did, with his help as well, who knows what they could have done, you know. So uh, we'll what I'm off. saying is, if I'm Roy Keane, I ain't taking anything from Mick McCarthy because yeah. <laughs> you know, what's he going to tell you? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, next one, then Spike Anthony Fitzgerald. Anthony, yeah, we'd first grief. He, he, I think he overstepped the mark, uh, you know, on social media and that. But um, you know, um. It backfired and big time. He, he he harassed me for five years and said I was afraid to fight him, which is not the truth. Um, I'd never be afraid to fight anyone. That's one thing. Like, I'd never be afraid, like, you know. Um, but he was, he's actually a good fighter himself. He went the distance with Hassan Adam and Andy Lee. And, you know, but um, I think um, Karma got him in our fight. Do you know what? Um, it did. I think um, I, I watched that fight again. And um, you went in there. It's like no respect for his power. You could tell there's levels here. And you walked into that ring and it was a case of, right, well, I'm Spike O'Sullivan. You're Anthony Fitzgerald. You're domestic. I'm world. Hands behind your back, intimidating him, scaring him. Before you actually landed the knockout punch, it was a wonderful left hook that really caught him. And from there, I just think he's out of his depth, um, completely humbled by yourself. Great performance. I love that. Absolutely loved it. That's, that's the one performance I see when I, when I think of Spike O'Sullivan. I think that one right there, loved it. Yeah, it was a good one for me anyway, yeah. It was a good one. Um, we've got, we've already spoke about Anthony Agogo, so we've got one more, the TTM podcast. TTM podcast, it's been a pleasure talking to the board of you, and it's a good job to put your name as James, because I'm used to yeah. remembering names and taking punches for a living doesn't help that con, no. so uh, <laughs> that was great. It was lovely speaking to you, very nice lads. Hello to all our fantastic TTM podcast listeners. We have a real treat for you. Do you have trouble with your sleeping? Do you suffer with anxiety or depression? Do you still have those aching muscles that you keep talking about? Then we have the perfect product for you to try. Supreme CBD. It comes in many different forms. For example, Supreme CBD face cream. It uses organic natural ingredients leaving your face feeling smooth and also without the use of synthetic compounds. For those aching muscles, there's Supreme CBD Muscle and Joint Rub, which penetrates deep into the skin and muscle joints, combining the therapeutic benefits of eucalyptus, rosemary, cinnamon bark and black pepper in a wonderfully hydrating aloe gel. Also, there's more available. We have all of the oils vapes and even gummy bears which are vegan now for the best part head over to supreme cbd uk today and enter our unique discount code ttm30 and you will get 30 percent off of everything on the website that code again ttm30 
it really doesn't get any better. Head over to supremecbd.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.